Hello and welcome to another episode of Between Here and There. I'm Sean. Hi, this is Charlotte. This is Summer. And we have Kevin Chen from Rocket Admit. Hey guys, good to be here. So today our episode is sponsored by Chocolat BB, or is it BB Chocolat? BB Chocolat. BB Chocolat. <laughs> I'm always getting this wrong. BB Chocolat, which is... Um, it's a multivitamin uh, B complex with um, collagen. Yeah, the last time I took this was when I went to Japan. Yes. Yeah, but now you can get it in Taiwan. Yeah, and it's directly from Japan. It's directly from Japan. All right, awesome. Which is, this is the perfect sponsor for our show, especially this episode, because it's for all of these stressed out, you know, college and high school students. <laughs> it's when you're like breaking out and like, you know, your your mouth has got sores and stuff, and right? And you need collagen. <laughs> you need collagen? And, and, and you need um, B-complex as well. B-complex. Yeah, B-complex. So it's B-complex B plus collagen. Yes, all the good stuff. <laughs> so it's good for like cold chong, is that right? So uh, you get like canker sores yeah, and, yeah, and it'll yeah, make you heal faster. Yes, yes, they will. All right. Awesome. All right. So everyone can go and check this out. So today our episode is to go deep or to go wide. All right. And, and we're not talking about football plays here. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about your life. All right. There's, there is this constant uh, debate, all right, amongst uh, not just college students, but even people after college. Like, you know, in today's world, is it better to be a generalist mm -hmm. or to be a specialist? Mm -hmm. And if you want to be a generalist or a specialist, when do you begin? Like, when do you start to specialize? Mm -hmm. Right. So we all have different opinions here. And we actually, we bring different opinions to the table without really knowing, you know, which, which side we're on. But I'm going to guess. I'm going I'm to start with Summer here. And I'm going to guess that you are on the side of being a generalist. No, actually. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am more on the specialist side, but perhaps that's because I've been influenced by people in my life who tell me that. Oh, oh, why? What did they tell you? That it's better to specialize. <laughs> because? <laughs> because? Because when people are hiring you for a job, it's better to have a very deep knowledge of a certain like skill set or a certain topic and because you can bring the most to the table with that. Mm -hmm. It's better to have, you know, that than have, you know, shallow understanding with a bunch of different things. Now, Summer, you're an entering freshman mm -hmm. and you're already thinking about the job market. Yeah. And these are uh, people who are older, obviously, and they're telling you be a specialist so that you can be more, you can be more competitive in the mm -hmm. job market. Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, college is definitely a time to explore your interests, but at some point you should start to specialize. At some point within college, like doing college? Yeah, you should probably decide what, what you want to do. I mean, sure, it's okay to specialize after college too, but you should start thinking about it. Does that equal to your major? Not necessarily. A lot of people major in something more generic and then, you know, explore their interests with clubs or internships. Have you decided your major? Um, it's most likely going to be economics with maybe like a secondary. So you haven't else. decided yet. Yeah, I haven't really. Ah, so you've got the pressure of wanting to be a specialist, but right now you're yeah. still a generalist. But but certain like um, certain major requires you being a. Um, you have to go deep. You have to decide. Like for instance, uh, if you want to go pre med or pre law, that kind of thing. You kind of true. You, you kind of have to start early. Right? Yeah, that's true. For me, business is a little bit more open ended, mm -hmm. which is why I'm a little bit you know iffy. Mm -hmm. but, but you're more on the special on the specialist side. Yeah, because I I've always really liked sports, and I knew I wanted to go into sports. Mm. So I think because of that, I have a better sense of my direction than some other people my age. Oh, okay. Well, I just guessed that Summer would be a journalist <laughs> because I think, you know, people who are younger tend to, you're still studying everything. 
Yeah, right? And you're absolutely. still finding your way. So you probably say, well, it's better to just finding my way. Yes. At, at this point, I do still want to explore, but eventually I know I'm going to be on the specialist side. Can I just ask you, at what age do you expect yourself to start being a specialist? Mm, 25. <laughs> 25. Okay. And you are? 19. Six years later. <laughs> Six years. You still got time. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, let's ask the six years later. Let's ask Charlotte here. The, the six years. I'm not six years just, later. Just, just roll with it, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm I, going to guess. Yes. Uh, generalist as well. No, I am a generalist. Nope. So I wish I am a, you know, specialist. specialist. Oh, specialist. you are a generalist wishing to be a specialist. Yes. How come? You did pretty well for yourself. In, in what ways? <laughs> being a being a generalist that like just do everything kind of general. <laughs> no, in so many ways. You've done so many interesting things. Yeah, just every day you're, you, you became kind of a project-based kind of person. Like you're going from one project to another and another and another. Whereas uh, if you're a specialist, you'll be doing the same thing over and over and over. And you're getting better at it. And you better. think that is something that's suitable for you or no, something no, that you want. Actually, with my personality, no way. You know, because I'm just ah. always, I'm always looking for what's what's new, what's next. You know, so that, your personality yes. destines you to be a generalist. Yes, it is. But I wish I could be a specialist. <laughs> Why are you so unhappy with yourself? <laughs> Imposter syndrome. <laughs> no, but are you are you happy being a journalist though? Yes, I am. But I wish you know, kind of like you think you'd be happier. Like if you're in the summer, so- you kind of go, "Oh, I miss the winter weather." And in the winter, you go, "Oh, Grass I miss the always summer." Greener. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we've got we've got one for specialists, another for specialists, and all right, Kevin, I'm I'm still gonna go with generalist here. <laughs> <laughs> I think Zero I'm going to so pick far. up what Charlotte was saying. It's not something you actually can determine because it's actually dictated by your personality. personality yes. It really is. Mm-hmm. You yes. know? And like, that's what Summer and I actually talked about two days ago. Like, It's a very interesting question, but it's not something where you can really try to kind of make yourself something you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact is most of us are generalists by personality. Like Very few of us right from the beginning has this one thing that drives us and defines us and makes us who we are in this universe. Like it takes a lot of exploration to get to a point where of all these different things you do, you realize there's this one thing that you do the best or, you know, close to the best or the most interested in. Mm -hmm. So when you think about a lifetime of a person's development, you do start to trend towards being a specialist Mm -hmm. when you advance in age and experience. But for most people, they would start out being a generalist. Like in the case of Summer, like she's saying she's a specialist, but you're also not, admitting Not that, yet. Not yet, exactly. Yeah. Right now, she's you're a still work, a generalist. She's a work in progress. Right, right. Progress. But, but, but yes. here, I would throw the challenge to Kevin because you counsel um, you know, students who are you know, applying to these top-tier American colleges, top right? 30, yes. Top 30, top 30. Right, mm-hmm. the top 30. And so one of the things is, is that you have to be extraordinary in some kind of pursuit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing for applying to these top colleges. Yeah. So doesn't that make a case for specializing as early as possible? Yeah. I mean, I would call it a master of one versus jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what we're talking about, a mm-hmm. specialist versus generalist. Right. Mm-hmm. It is true that if you're applying to colleges and you've got one super duper thing 
going on for you, mm-hmm. it becomes much easier to stand out. As mm-hmm. a, provided that everything else is at least above average, mm-hmm. and you've got one super standout thing, mm-hmm. that's you know a, a take notice thing. It's very easy for an admissions officer to say, okay, so this person, you know, person B, is the sailing person mm-hmm. or the pian the pianist or something. But mm-hmm. again, I would revert back to yes, it would be great if you could do that. But there is no way to force yourself to be that, right? Okay. When I see parents mm. who basically try to make their kids into the champion pianist when the kid has absolutely no interest and or talent in the piano, mm-hmm. it leads to a lot of tragedies and mm. it doesn't lead to a lot of objective great results. But when you help uh, kids to apply to college, you kind of want to make their whole package going towards a certain path, right? You mm-hmm. can't go, hi, I'm just a kid that likes everything, you know? Yeah, right, yeah. right. So, How do you so, tell their narrative? Yeah, so, right. so yeah. Yeah, directionality. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, what Kevin and I were talking about the other day is, of course, colleges prefer to have people who spike in something, but mm-hmm. those people are exceptional. And at, at some point, everybody is some version of jack of all trades. Um mm-hmm. Because it, it our, is hard to be, and our education is kind of like that. You mm-hmm. go to you, you go to elementary school. Yeah. You go into, and, and it has everything. There's science. There's math, and there's like English. You know, you kind of have to know everything. You kind of have to get you know good grades in everything, right? Well, what do you guys think of the European system, which some um, some of them they go into vocational tracks, you know, fairly early, maybe as early as say junior high or high school, right? So you can decide whether you want to be a generalist, maybe in academics. Or you pick something that you become uh, more of a specialist in. Yeah. And that's a, it seems to be a nice system that combines both. What do you guys think about that? It's hard to think about because I'm so immersed in the American system. I yes. couldn't imagine picking my profession that early because um, mm. I do want to explore more. But if it works for them, it works for them. I mean, yeah. I've heard of this, uh, you know, this experimental school even here in Taiwan yeah. that actually has these connections with these European schools. Mm-hmm. So uh. they give kids the choice mm-hmm. and say, if you have an early interest in something, then at least the opportunities are there. That's too much pressure. How can you yeah, make so a decision early. at like five? I want to be a baker or like, well, I want to drive it's a like, train. Well, don't force it, right? Don't yeah. force it. But, you know, if if there are the... Uh, so the so the Taiwanese system is a really weird mix, yeah. right? Because everyone's a generalist. Everyone has to learn the same thing. Yes. However, when it comes time to applying to college, you have to declare your major yes. when you're applying. Yes. Right? And that's uh, so odd to me. Yeah. I don't understand like how you can go through all your life as being a journalist and then somehow you're expected to make your decision about what you want to study. Yeah. Right? I mean, it seems like the, in, in that particular case, the U.S. system makes a little bit more sense that you have at least two years in college to explore in general before declaring a major. And I think that also echoes what we're saying about how you start off being a generalist. Uh, in this case, at university, you start off being a liberal arts person taking a whole slew of classes. But by the time you hit the second semester of your sophomore year, you're supposed to figure out, okay, at least as far as major is concerned, you should know what you want to do for the next two years. And by definition, if you're picking a major, that's more of a specialist thing than just taking a whole bunch of random classes. Mm. But I absolutely agree. Like I, I don't understand the Taiwanese system either to go from, you know, this jack of all trades, then certainly without being, being able to explore any of them in depth, certainly you know suddenly declaring a college major right like yeah so there is this uh term in in taiwan we say university equals uni wan si nian. Yeah, uni wan si. right so it's like you you declare your major so-called right but then you're you you're in college and you basically take four years to explore isn't that what college is about mm-hmm. right 
I mean, that, that's what we, that's what I was looking forward to, right? When I went to college. Mm -hmm. But how about, uh, I know, Kevin, you're a big advocate yeah. of gap years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And how does gap year work together with, say, a college education? Yeah. I mean, I actually wanted to do a gap year myself, but as you I was didn't. telling Summer, my parents wouldn't allow me to do it, ah. you know, because they felt like if I took a gap year, I was never going to go to college or something. There's this kind of underlying Asian parent fear that just get your schooling over with and that's it. But in hindsight, the reason I advocated is precisely because of this process of exploration. Mm. You know, like this is a perfect time in your life where you've got no pressure mm -hmm. of any sort. You know exactly where you're going to go next mm. to what college. It's really the perfect time, the pressure-free time to figure out who you are, to go to a place, do something you've never done before. You know, go to Europe and be an exchange student or something. In my case, I actually wanted to be an exchange student in, uh, in the UK before mm. I started at Princeton. Because um, mm. I just thought it would be great for me to kind of take myself out of the familiar environment in a risk-free situation so that I could actually get more out of university. Oh, I mean, yeah. I ended up doing that when I was at Princeton. I took a year off actually to work in Taiwan before ah. going back to Princeton. And I thought it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. But yeah. you never did the UK thing. I never did the UK thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, but I had to go like with the parents kind of thing, you know, because we're more practical, right? We don't want to go for the very romantic, like you had to explore yourself. Like I'm paying your tuition, you get it done, okay? <laughs> so, so that's part of the reason why, you okay, know. Okay, mom. Yeah, <laughs> there's no yoni wansini, okay? If I'm paying your tuition and it's like this, Tuition is like so much. If you're going to the U.S., it's like almost like a house or, you know, down payment, right? You're getting it done, okay? You're going to finish college in three years. There's no such a thing as like exploring, okay? Well, as everyone who's listening may know or may not know, our show started by wanting to document these kids who are stuck, you know, having, having yeah, Many who doors. are on gap years. Yes, including, you know, including the me. one right across from me right here. And, and so a lot of them are actually seeing gap years as this, you know, this forced choice. So yes. many of them are like, well, yes, I should do they're... something productive with my life. Yes. Some of them go into their family business or something like that, right? Or they internship. get an internship. Or they get internship in one business and they just do that, hoping to actually get some specialization experience yeah. before they begin college. So it's kind of like the, the opposite of what you're talking about here, Kevin. Right. The gap year being a time when you can truly, really explore yeah. without boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that is what you think is is more important for kids. I, I I mean, I think it could work the other way around too. Like, let's say you're someone who you know has Charlotte's personality. You're just kind of all over the place, and you can't really stay at one place for very long. You decide, you know what? For the gap year, I'm gonna do the exact opposite. I'm gonna devote myself fully to one thing and see how good I can make it. I'm gonna yeah. become a scratch golfer. I'm gonna you know, weight lift and see how big I can get. Like, uh -huh. absolutely. I <laughs> see nothing wrong with triathlon. <laughs> the midlife crisis set in early, yes. Uh, nothing wrong with that at all. Like, I don't think I necessarily favor one or the other, but it's just, you know, this whole idea that you've got a risk-free time period mm. to take yourself out of the comfort zone. And for a specialist, that may be becoming a generalist and exploring different things. But for a natural generalist that may be specializing in one thing and see whether you could take one thing really, really far. So, but I think the commonality is just taking yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm. Mm. Agreed. Well, the million dollar question for all of us is of the people that you know, do generalists make out better or specialists make out better? Personal experience here. 
So do a sampling, all right? Think of people around wow. you. Specialists, which is why I kept saying that in the beginning. Specialists. I would say specialist. Me too. Specialist. Specialist. Whoa. So there we go. There seems to be something here, right? There's a case being made for specialization. All right. So here we're all talking about, oh, yeah, you know, you should, you, you got to go and explore. Yeah. But here, now, why? Why do the specialists make out better? Those that you know. Um, think of Kevin. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think, I, all right. I think, yeah, Summer and I talked about this briefly as well. I mean, it depends on what life stage you're talking about. And I mm -hmm. think you're right. When you're talking about, quote unquote, making out well, mm -hmm. it's usually someone who, is pretty advanced in their career. So you could see the track record. Mm -hmm. And I think it is true, as you become more senior and more advanced, you've got to slowly become a specialist or else you're not going to be able to advance at your job and your life. Like you've got to become really, really good at one thing in order for employers, for the workplace, for the society to continue to value you as you become a 40 year old, 50 year old, 60 year old. Yeah. Like you're no longer a student with a potential. You've got to be the teacher and the mentor so that you've got to have the expertise that other people mm -hmm. are looking for. So mm -hmm. when someone becomes older, they have to become a specialist to continue to, continue to have value. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I can use kind of my husband's example uh, because he actually isn't what they call ABC. His English is better than his Chinese, mm -hmm. and he came to Taiwan. At the beginning, he didn't really want to go into the, um, uh, he, he didn't want to go into father's business so mm -hmm. he started his own business mm -hmm. more with the u.s so mm -hmm. he did retail he did entertainment he did movies mm -hmm. you know and then finally he realized that he wants to go into into into, yeah, into pharmaceuticals family, family yeah. businesses and then he once he made that decision he has to go really deep he has to go into the taiwan culture he, he didn't speak english uh chinese before mm. but now he can text in chinese he can do it's just one day he go i i want to go deep you know, mm. I've done everything. Like yeah. he got everything out of his system. He did the entertainment. He did records. He mm -hmm. did you know all all the crazy things. And all of a sudden he goes, yes, okay, I'm ready now. So mm. then he decided to go into pharmaceuticals, and he's mm. doing uh, quite, quite well, well for himself. Yes. Yeah. So yes. that's um, actually you so need to have that exploration. You need to get it out of your system. Yeah. And then and then go into it because yeah. you know maybe maybe uh, Charlotte. This, yeah. What you're saying is you still haven't gotten it out of your system. <laughs> Yeah, I might never get it out of my system. We just need one specialist in our house. <laughs> and that is that's, my husband. That's why you guys work well together. Yes, yes. Yeah, we need one generalist yeah. and one specialist. Because like, for instance, he, uh, because he's working so hard, he he's not able to keep up with what's going on in the world. So mm. I'm the person that brings all of this to him, right? So, you know, all the news that he didn't watch or all the news that he didn't listen to, I'm the one to provide. It sounds like I have to make a devil's advocate position for generalists here because everyone seems to be saying specialist. Yes. And so the one of the arguments I heard is from um, uh, the guy who founded TED.com. Not Chris Anderson, but the guy who actually founded, you know, the original gathering of people, um, Richard Saul Werman. Mm -hmm. So he says that um, that basically the reason why he founded TED is because he started seeing that all these different knowledge fields were getting into their own silos. Mm. And you need more ah. cross-pollination between the silos in order for mm. innovation to happen. And true creativity happens when you take something that's, that's well-known in one field, you try to apply it in, as an analogy in another field, 
And then you find that something new can happen from this. And he gives a lot of different examples, you know, in his talks, mm-hmm. um, you know, from medical breakthroughs, mm-hmm. or, or even to like one thing he, he he talked about that really stuck with me was um, the Hubble Space Telescope. Yes, you, you showed me that. Right? It's like origami, right? No, there, there's a, so there are these original images from Hubble where yeah. apparently they were really, uh, because of, this one little aberration in the lens, mm-hmm. so they're all blurry. Uh-huh. So they came up with all these different ways of trying to make the images clearer. And then one day, uh, someone was walking through uh, as a visit, you know, and they, they said, oh, so this is how you're making these uh, images clearer. Yeah, like, you know what? This can be used in my field, which is medical imaging. Uh, okay. So then, you know, they, they bring the two together uh-huh. and they were able to make medical imaging much more precise. Interesting. Now, and actually saved many lives like, like that because you could detect tumors much sooner. Wow. Right. So he gives that as being, look, if without that guy that was able to have that cross-disciplinary mm. kind of view on things, mm. then you would not have innovations like this. Right. So he's saying, look, in 21st century, there's so many specialists already. You actually need more generalists. Interesting. What about like if you have your company, right? Would you rather have you have 10 people in your company? Would you rather have 10 people who are, you know, okay at a bunch of different things or one person who's an expert at copywriting, one person expert at marketing, expert at sales for your company? It depends. Depends. I think it depends. If If I had a startup. And it was just like a little scrappy startup with just a few people. You want generalists. Generalists. I probably want generalists, yeah. right? People who can, who can support. Yeah. 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 And you want to pay one person to do a thousand things. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. of us basically have to, have to wait lift on everything, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm thinking like for me, I want to go work in corporate and all of my, all the advice I've gotten is corporate's not going to want to hire you if you're just okay at a bunch of different things. You have to be a value add to the team and bring like a yes. specific yes. S- skill set or knowledge, mm. which is why everyone's been telling me I should specialize. Mm. Yeah, I had a similar talk with one of my students, actually. She's about to graduate from her business school program. She's about to, work, about to start working at Samsung, uh, their global strategy group, basically working as a generalist uh, corporate strategy consultant, basically a management consultant specifically within Samsung. And then she recently told me that she had a talk with uh, a Microsoft CEO, CEO of the greater China region, uh, basically trying to get advice about her career development you know, beyond Samsung or, you know, just in the tech industry in general. Mm. And what the executive told her was, you cannot just have strategy under your name. Mm. You got to start to specialize either in marketing or operations, mm. right. something else beyond just this jack of all trades strategy umbrella in order for you to advance further in this industry. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's, I think, point taken for any company. Uh, anyone should probably look at a bunch of different departments, but then find the one that's best suited for them mm-hmm. you know, yes. in terms of experience, yeah. in terms of their deep. ability, and then yeah. really start to gather experience mm-hmm. in that. But the question that we bring to this program is that there, there is this pressure to have to specialize earlier and earlier. All right. Mm. Both of us say college admission, right? You want to special, you want yeah. to seem like a specialist, at least in something. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this thing where, where people are like, well, you know, I can be a generalist for four years of college, but I'm so scared that when I get enter the work field, I'm actually coming up with competition that have been specializing for the past four or five years. And they're actually way ahead of me mm-hmm. in the things that I want to go into. Yeah. This is an actual pressure that a yes. lot of kids feel these days. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Especially liberal arts majors. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
So, what do you guys think about that? Yes. Well. <laughs> it's a, you it's look a like tough one. It's a tough yes. one. But I'm bunch. This is what we hear at the crickets. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah. No, like for instance, Kevin, do you advise your uh, kids going to college? Do you advise him to go into a school as a um, undecided major, mm-hmm. or some people go into as a business major? That's like the other undecided, right? Sure. Or sure. some some people actually, a lot of people say the strategy is to go to a school if you think you're not really sure if your grades are, you know, to the point. You can apply to a school with a very specific major and then transfer. Yeah. So which yeah. which is the best kind of strategy? The back door. Um, back door. I think it, you know, really <laughs> depends on, you know, the question about whether or not to specialize at that age. I would say one clear line of delineation is whether you're in a technical field. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. I think if you're an engineer or a, a computer science person. Or pre-med. Yeah, maybe even pre-med. Or even, although pre-med is a little bit of a hybrid. I know people who would, let's say, major in anthropology. Yeah, go to and then pre-med. eventually, you know went down the medical school track. Mm-hmm. But if you're computer science or you know engineering, like something super technical like that, chances are you'll have to start specializing pretty early in college. Like nobody says when their 35-year-old decides I'm going to become an engineer. It just doesn't <laughs> happen. But you can to say when you're 35 years old, you know, I'm going to switch out of being an engineer into the business strategy side Interesting. of things. It happens yeah. that way, but it doesn't work the other way. Interesting. Right. right? You, yeah. You, you, speaking of engineers, so recently um, there was this company, TSMC, of course, yeah. everyone knows, right? Yes. It's one of the biggest companies in yes. Taiwan. So the the founder of TSMC, Morris, Morris Chang, Chang. Yep. Right, Zhang Zhongbo. He so also he went g- to Harvard. Um, yeah, he did. He did one year at yes. Harvard, and then the remainder M- is it, it was MIT. at MIT. MIT. Yeah. So he gave a talk at the at the Harvard Club, and is and um, so all right. So you guys take a guess what his position would be. Would he be generalist. a generalist or be a specialist here? I believe he said he he wanted to be a generalist. Yeah, I think yeah. he said that too. <laughs> you guys all got the yeah. All right, got the all right. Yeah. See, but yeah, he, so his, he is a specialist wanting to be a generalist. Exactly. So the opposite of right. Us, yeah. Mm. Isn't that weird? I think that's why so, he liked Harvard better than MIT. I believe yeah. he said something about that. Yeah, yes. and I believe he's really saying that, not just because he was speaking at the Harvard Club. <laughs> yes. Said, Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> he just wants everybody yeah. to like him. Someone of his position, he doesn't need to like you he know. He wants you to like him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so his whole speech is called a case for the liberal arts education, and yeah. the point that he was making is that you know during college that's the time when you learn how to think, and that's the time when you learn how to express yourself, how you how to put arguments together. It's not the time for you to learn some specific of the trade, mm-hmm. and so that's why he said that that time that, that although he only did one year at Harvard, but it was probably one of the most formative years in his life. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they really I mean, said that. Yeah. I, I I think there's that's a really valid point that he's making. And it's really speaks to what we're talking about in terms of lifetime, life stage. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he's saying in college, you should be a generalist and you should explore. I mean, going back to Sean, your example about, you know, the the NASA example. Mm-hmm. Like it's a matter when you're in college, I would say, let's say every discipline you had, you know, you're going from zero to a hundred points when you're utterly ignorant at zero and you're a complete expert at a hundred. Mm-hmm. I think in college 
you do want to explore different fields and different disciplines、mm-hmm. so that every field and discipline, you're getting to at least 50 points or、mm-hmm. 60 or 70 or whatever arbitrary number you assign. So you're not at a zero in anything、mm-hmm. because、mm-hmm. all these fields are important. You never know how they're going to be interrelated、mm-hmm. in any point. And、right. I think that's college. That's when you're young. It's when you get older, when you become a Morris Chang. You know, you start to be able to integrate all these different disciplines together. You've got a bunch of 60s and 70s. But then you've got one thing where you're taking up to 90 or 100.、Mm-hmm. And so you've got one thing where you really stand out, but you know enough to be dangerous、mm-hmm. in these other fields. So, so you can actually integrate them、mm-hmm. in your、yeah. example, Sean, that you're talking about.、Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's important to think about the life stage of generalization versus specialization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it occurs in stages. And of course, we have a lot of,、uh, of kids these days who are like, you know, I, I want to find my passion. Because my passion will determine my specialization. But、uh, Kevin, you recently talked about this TED talk that you saw. Yeah,、about. it was a TED talk. I think the title was Stop Searching for Your Passion, you know, which is very kind of you know, ironic in the day,、right. day and age that we're living、yeah. in because everyone is talking about defining your passion, you know, who you are,、right. and what is your value proposition, and all these cliches that people throw out. But the way the talk really resonated with me is this idea that you're not born with this passion. Like, there's no destiny that awaits you, you know,、mm-hmm. no more than, you know, your true love is awaiting you if you don't go out there and date or、mm-hmm. something. So,、mm-hmm. it's the hard work lies in actually doing the work to figure out what are you good at. And of all the things that you're good at, what does a society value? You know, not just, you know, things that you're good at in a vacuum, but how. How do these things that you're good at translate into value add、mm-hmm. for the society? And、yes. for the vast majority of people, the intersection between those two, what you're good at, what the society values, lies in your passion that develops eventually、mm-hmm. out of that. So, passion is like an offshoot、mm-hmm. of so practical reality. So, you shouldn't start with passion. Exactly.、Okay. That's what the point of the talk、you、was about. You shouldn't start with passion. Yeah, because、right. people end up wasting a lot of time instead of going out there to explore. They just kind of say, well, I don't think that's what I'm meant to do. So I'm just、uh, going to sit around and pontificate rather than just go out there and live life. Well, you can't find your passion by just sitting there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and it's not like passion is going to just knock you upside the head one day with suddenly like this, this eureka moment. And there was something that Steven Spielberg said that, that your passions are. Or your dreams, or something that is not going to be right in front of your face. It's going to kind of sneak up on you, it kind of whispers in your ear as you're going through the journey of life. Yeah. And, but, and, but there are certain things, such as like your wife is a pianist, right? You have to start young and you have to keep going. You know, you want to be a musician,、mm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. How, how, do you, how do you explain to that? I mean, which is great. Like, let's say you're an elite athlete, you're an elite、yeah. musician. If you find that early and that's actually what makes you tick, all the power to you. Right?、Yeah. But if for but you the might vast end majority, too. You, you can keep, might end too. Yeah.、Yes. So, I mean, that's a possibility. Some people say that they feel like when they go down that road, there's no end to it. You, you know, you have to be a musician. And they like really give themselves pressure. But you can be practicing and practicing. All of a sudden, one day you're like, I just want to use music as a hobby. Yeah. You can, you can yeah. switch out of it. And your parents are like, What? Yeah, I already invested so much money in your piano, the Steinway <laughs> no, over there. Actually, you know what? I think most parents would be like, Yeah, that's okay. That's what I wa- wanted you to do originally. Like, well, then why did you force me to practice so much piano back yes, then? Yes. Like, I just wanted you to be happy with the music. Like, what? 
I was not yeah, happy. But you need that in order to get to a point where you can just appreciate music for fun. Ah. So you to, need to do yeah. the hard work to get to a certain How, level. To what extent? You had to practice like eight hours a day just to e- get there? Tr- yeah, that seems a little extreme. Yeah. But. So, so there's this one word, it, it, this English word, I think it's originally from French, dilettante. Uh-huh. Right, which means that someone who dabbles in a lot of things, but mm-hmm. not very deeply mm-hmm. in anything. And that's one thing that when I was growing up, I kept thinking like, wow, that's something that I really don't want myself to be. Although I constantly find myself to be that, you know, <laughs> just you dabble in a whole bunch of things. But I, I think there is a difference between being a dilettante and being a generalist. Mm-hmm. A generalist still has that IST in the back, you know, and, and, of an ist of anything makes you think that you actually did some kind of work in understanding the ins and outs of that particular field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like dilettante maybe is like a 30 in each thing, whereas right. Kevin was talking about maybe you're like at a 60 or 70 as a generalist. For right, things. yeah. Right, so you haven't gone like, you know, the full deep dive. However, you've gone deep enough to really understand um you know, what are the intricacies within that that particular yeah. field? Mm-hmm. And what you might actually need to actually become a specialist. Or maybe what are the, the problems, mm-hmm. right? And the solution, the potential solutions in each field. And if you're able to go into it at that kind of depth, then perhaps you can be somewhat of a specialist in one, but be able to cross-pollinate mm-hmm. across many different, you know, many different departments or genres or whatever have you. Right, so perhaps that's something that that maybe it'll come as a yeah. later life stage. Yeah, I, right. I mean, if you in terms of later life stage and exactly what you're talking about, if you think about a CEO of a corporation, mm-hmm. I mean, he or she has to be general, fitting yeah. that model, right? Yeah. It's right. a generalist, yes. not a dilettante. Yes. you know, and mm. you've got to be at a sixty or seventy, knowing enough about all sorts of disciplines yes. in order to know where the value are and, exactly. and where the integration lies. You right. can't just dabble. Mm-hmm. You right. have to actually know. Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But to get to that point as CEO, you have to be, I mean, I, I would assume the CEO would probably have had to specialize at something to get to that certain level. So they would know a lot about the different departments, but still have their specialization. Mm. I know of uh, people who have been put on that, onto that C-level, C-suite track mm-hmm. uh, within a really large multinational conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And usually what they do is they go... They spend periods of time in different, different countries oh, okay. and in different yeah. departments just in, so they can. But in Japan, there's like actually executive training. Well, actually, in most banks, you know, they have right. executive training programs where you right. go to different departments. Right. I, mean, I, I did one of those in Japan, ah. you know, start with like I sat in the counter and count money, you know, start with this and go all the way to the back. You know, so I've done one of those executive training programs. And you think that it was very helpful? You, you get to know all parts of a bank, you know, you've seen like all different, you know, the, the front end and all into the back end, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you got to dabble a little bit in, in everything. Uh, but you're not doing banking now. I, I, I have a bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it works. <laughs> I know where the bank takes my money. <laughs> that training really paid off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, I did investment banking a little bit, but then, you know, uh, now I'm, I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> uh, so I think the point to be made here is that no matter what you do, that you actually do it with enough intention so that you understand it. Yeah. You understand yes. it to a certain point where you can actually start applying it to different things. So the case seems to be here, let's go specialist if you can, right? Early enough if you happen to find your interest and passion early mm-hmm. enough, right? But if not, 
then at least go into every single field with the intention of being able to apply it later. Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 Yeah. We yeah. have consensus. Yes. Whoa, yeah. we have consensus. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll just add, even during the college admissions process, you can get into the very top schools being a generalist. Uh -huh. You know, like you can. You can. You are. You are able to. So you have a package of I just kind of know everything. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's probably most people who get into the most elite schools fit into that category. Uh -huh. You just, I mean, you hear about the true outliers in the news. You know, you, the, the Olympic gold medalists, you know, the, the Westinghouse Science Award winners. <laughs> but the reality is most people at Harvard are not that. Mm. They're a version of a generalist. They mm. do a lot of things very, very well. And chances are they also got rejected by other elite schools. It's mm. not like they just so... For Harvard, it was good enough, or for maybe for another kid, you know, Princeton was good enough, but not Harvard or Stanford. You know, th and that's the risk you take when you're a generalist. Like, you're not quite a standout, so anybody could say you're not quite attractive enough. Mm. But if you do every single one of those well enough, chances are one of those elite schools is going to want you, right? Mm. And so you're kind of, you know, rolling with the punches. But there's really nothing you can do. Going back to the point, you cannot force yourself to become a specialist. Right. If right. you're if you don't have the talent or the passion at that age, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just not going to make you happy. And not to mention, it's not going to get the result that you want. Mm. Mm -hmm. And not to be cliche, but we're all multifaceted people. We are. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's also the cliche of the ten thousand hour rule, right? Which has been sort of debunked, right? That you need to put in the ten thousand hours, mm -hmm. whether you're a pianist or yeah. or you're yeah. learning anything, mm -hmm. right? You had to spend that 10,000 hours. So uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote about it in his book. So yeah. It became very popular. But then eventually it was debunked as in, you know what? Some of the best professional musicians aren't the ones, what they did put in 10,000 hours. However, there's a difference between the ones who put in 10,000 mm -hmm. hours that the real standout ones are the ones that go into it with intentionality. Who are able to practice smart. Yes. And not just put in hours. Yes. So the attitude counts. The attitude. It's, it's not, if you practice uh, music uh, for too long of time, I, I actually interviewed Benny Tin, one of the uh, top uh, violinists oh, in right. China. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He said that uh, you gotta spend time to feel the music, not just playing it, or, or else you, you get too um, mechanic about it. Mm. That's a great analogy. I think we can end with that. Oh, okay. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> feel it. You got to take the time to feel it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Feel, feel I mean, force. because life just it, there. There's so many different choices, and of course, we can all be a specialist. It does seem like from our talk today that is better to be a specialist somewhere down the line. Mm -hmm. Right. The world needs yes. your specialty. However, you do need to go go through that period of exploration with the intention of one day being able to apply it somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so with that consensus, let's yes. wrap up. And thank you all very much for listening. This has been another episode of Between Here and There. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Hey, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Between Here and There. If you enjoyed it, kindly give us some stars and leave a review for us on your platform of choice. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, referrals for guests, etc., please feel free to contact us on our social media accounts. Just search Between Here and There on FB or IG. This show is produced in collaboration with Soundshine, Xuanyan Wenchuang. Our hosts are Sean Liu, producer Charlotte Guo, assistant producer Summer Shen, and this really awesome music you're hearing is by one of our season one guests, Spark Wu. Until next time, thanks for listening.